with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll take a look at China and the world economy in the year 2022. What made the headlines, and what can we expect for the year 2023? And now, let's begin with our top story. China has taken multiple measures to revitalize its economy. Analysts at leading Chinese investment bank CICC said China's growth model is moving away from one dependent on real estate and infrastructure to one in which the digital and green economy play greater roles. And China's economic fundamentals, resilience, and sustainable long-term growth remain unchanged. Meanwhile, many international financial institutions have upgraded their forecasts for China's economy in the. New Year after the country further optimizes COVID response measures. So, what are the external and internal environments for China's economy in the year 2023, and how will China boost its economy? To answer all these questions, we have Yan Liang, professor of economics from Villanova University in the U.S., and also Liu Baocheng, professor with the University of International Business and Economics. So, Yan, first of all, as we look back to the The year 2022. How would you assess China's economic performance? Hi, good to talk to you, Zhao Yang.、Um, so I think 2022 turned out to be a very tough year as far as the economy is concerned,、um, and we know that because of the COVID as well as the real estate sector slowdown, and also、um, amid the very complex international environment,、um, China's economy grew but at a very slow pace.、Um, when we look at the three pillars of the economy,、um, consumption demand has been pretty softened. When you look at the retail sales, the first、um, 11 months. Uh, up, uh, year to day, I think it remains pretty flat,、uh, about 0.09 percent of growth.、Um, and when you look at investment,、um, private investment and also real estate sector investment have been going down,、um, but public investment, especially in infrastructure and manufacturing, have been helping to、um, bolster the economy.、Um, and then, last but not least, when you look at the foreign trade,、um, by September. Year-to-date growth in exports have been 12.5 percent, which is not bad. So I think,、um, in other words, I think all these three pillars remain、um, pretty soft.、Um, that said, I think it's reasonable、um, that to to assess in a way that you know we need to be more、um, in a way、um, a balanced, right? So I think a lot of these COVID measures are to protect lives and securities of the people. Um, so、um, I think government is making a tough choice to、uh, let go some of the economic gain、um, in order to, you know, save millions of lives.、Mm. And so, Bao Cheng, actually, Yan mentioned three pillars of the economy. So, what do you think are some of the main reasons for China's FDI or foreign direct investment rising by nearly ten percent in the first eleven months of this year? We see、uh, quite a much a divergence in the flow of.、Uh, Uh, global investment in and out of China, because、uh, we do notice some of the hot money are really being squeezed out over the、uh, last ten months, and the Chinese government is also、uh, sending very strong messages to encourage foreign investment. We are not really there to close the door. We will redirect the、uh, global investment in the into the high end. 
manufacturing sector and the high-end service sector that's related to manufacturers. So real economy is there to give people more confidence over sustainable return. And the other uh, is that when Europe particularly is suffering from the uh, energy shortages, and so more of the European uh, investments are uh, getting more uh, enthusiastic to invest into China. We can see that uh, some of the uh, uh, big projects like petrochemical projects, like the uh, big machine manufacturing projects are uh, being located into China. When China is also there to support the uh, renewable energy, uh, we can see that uh, investment in the green industries also on a steady increase. Mm. So, yeah, actually, FDI into China's high-tech manufacturing, we see is increased by over 30%. So what does it tell us? Um, I think what happens here is, you know, as we know, for foreign direct investment, especially in these kinds of greenfield uh, investments, Investors are looking long term. We're still talking about the long term prospect of the Chinese economy. So I think what it reflects is that the investors are still very confident in China's long term prospect, um, not to mention the government's policy support in the high tech uh, industries. And also, I think it's important to understand that, you know, for foreign direct investment, there is the push and there is the pull factor. So it is true that, you know, um, you know, China remains attractive in terms of a long term prospects so that pulls in this foreign investment. On the other hand, there is the push factor, meaning that um, when you look at other countries in the world, China still remains very, relatively speaking, a very um, you know, healthy and growing country um, compared to other economies like European or EU, the United States. So in comparative terms, I think China remains uh, you know, attractive, especially in those high-tech industries. Mm. Um, going forward, and I agree with Professor Liu Baocheng, um, you know, given all the policy support and given all the uncertainties in other countries, um, I think China will continue to remain an attractive destination for high-tech investment. And yeah, so China is now calling for a consumption-led recovery. So how much will the pent-up demand in China actually contribute to the growth recovery for the year 2023? And in which areas do you think we can expect to see strong growth in the coming year, you know, in terms of uh, domestic consumption? Right. So I think um, trying to boost domestic consumption demand, this is not something new, but it does have um, a new level of urgency, I think, um, at this point, because um, as we all know, when the, the rest of the economy is facing with inflation, tightening monetary policies and potential recessions, we can no longer rely um, on export growth um, to boost the, the demand side, um, nor do we want to continue to have excessive investment um, that could lower efficiency. So I think all the more it's important that we wanted to boost the cons consumption demand. And I think there is a lot of pent up demand that has been accumulating um, in, the, in, in China. Um, some of the data have shown that, um, for example, there, there has been a $1.8 trillion worth of household savings increase in the first nine months of this year. Um, so a lot of the money is in the bank accounts right now um, because um, it, the households are not able to consume or do not want to consume, nor do they want to put the money in the real estate market. So there's a lot of potential income, uh, potential savings that could be diverted into consumption. So I do think that there is a great opportunity um, to boost cons consumption demand um, based on this, you know, 
household savings and then the pent up demand. And we also need to have continuous policy supports. Um, I know there are different debates about how to support consumers, either mm. by you know giving out vouchers or some subsidies, or uh, we need to take bolder actions, um, have more sort of uh, structural reforms. Um, I think we should, in the short term, um, you know, give subsidies and help the households, um, and over the medium and long term, continue with the structural reform. That would help to boost income, jobs, and also spending by the households.、Mm. And yeah, so the government is also emphasizing the support for private enterprises or business, as well as the platform economy, to boost their confidence and help them to develop. So, how much momentum do you think? You know, do you expect them to inject into the economic vitality next year? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think we do see the government,、um, the high level, you know,、uh, policymakers talk about we wanted to provide an enabling environment for private enterprises. And、uh, Premier Li Keqiang in December, early December, also、um, talked about you know how the platform economy has promoted consumption and employment, and therefore you know it is a very important part of the economy. So I think, first of all, this signaling effect is important to boost the confidence of private entrepreneurs、um, that you know their contributions, their activities, their entrepreneurship are valued in the economy, and the government will provide enabling environment for them to thrive.、Um, they have been, you know, in in、uh, provinces like Zhejiang,、uh, the government has led, you know,、uh, business delegates to、uh, go out of the country and try to seek more opportunities. Um, for businesses, so I think all of these measures are very important.、Mm, so, Baocheng, employment is quite an important issue, and China's urban unemployment rate was 5.7 percent in November. So, what could be done to solve the unemployment issue, especially for the young people? Well, employment opportunities are largely offered by the private sector, as Yan has mentioned. That、uh, the Uh, how the government is really uh, there? Uh, not really.、Uh, they do not really have to provide privileges, but as long as they provide more of an equal platform for private sectors to grow,、uh, that will be able to create more of the job opportunities. Over ninety percent, or exactly ninety-two percent of the jobs are really created by the private sectors. And the other is really how we can really sharpen、uh, the job skills because China is really having a dramatic readjustment of their、uh, production of their service. So therefore,、uh, you know, the、uh, educational sector needs to be there to step up. Mm. So yeah, confidence is quite important, and many international banks have now upgraded their forecast for China's economy in the new year, in the year 2023. They say China's growth will get five to six percent in the new year. So what are your expectations, and what are the sectors with the greatest potential for improvement? Right. So I think、um, yes, many of the observers would argue that China is going to have a strong economic rebound next year, and I think. Um, that definitely is based on reasonable grounds. For one, there is the low base effect.、Um, this year's growth is low, and so next year would definitely be much higher.、Um, there are also the lifting of the COVID restrictions, so that in the short term is going to,、um, you know, have some bumpy recovery. But over time, especially by second half of next year, I think we'll see growth、um, rebound、uh, quite significantly. 
Well, we're speaking with Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Vidimat University, and also Liu Baocheng, Professor with the University of International Business and Economics. And after a short break, we'll take a look at the global economy. Stay with us. Welcome. I'm Ilaf Elard, Economics Professor and member of the Data Science and AI Center at New York University, Shanghai. On the World Today program, you can find in-depth and impartial insight, as well as critical commentary on key trends in the Chinese economy, financial technology, business, and blockchain. To prepare for the world tomorrow, join me on World Today. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. For the world economy in 2022, we have seen issues like high inflation, risk of recessions, as well as energy and food crisis. But Yan, will we still be dealing with all these challenges in 2023? Right. So I think it really depends on、um, a couple of things. For example,、um, the energy crisis has reduced the food production, fertilizer production, and so all these would. Fit into the future prices of energy and food,、um, so that's one important factor to to bear in mind. And the second is how the policy measures are going to、uh, change or not、um, for many of the central banks、um, in the in the next year. Right now, for every one central bank that is relaxing their monetary stance, twenty five central banks are tightening. So if the economy remains,、uh, I mean, the policymakers remain、um, on that tightening route. Um, then we're likely to see the economy struggle more、um, in the coming year.、Um, and also, I think one other important thing is the geopolitical, right? So I think it also depends on, you know, how, for example, the U.S.-China relations, China and Europe relations are going to go. We have seen some positive signs in the recent uh, days. Um, for example, the uh, the uh, stock listing auditing. Um, has some、uh, positive news where we're unlikely to see mass delisting of the Chinese firms in the、uh, U.S. stock markets.、Um, on the trade front, we still have a lot of uncertainties how things are going to go, and then also in terms of the chip uh, ban uh, by the United States. So I think、um, all of these could affect the global inflation, the logistics, the supply chain, and demand of the economy. So all these are important factors to take into account.、Mm. So Bao Cheng, will we be still dealing with all this in the year 2023?、Uh, unfortunately, we're not, not going to say farewell to this problem because the, uh, uh, there is a cumulative effect on these issues, and、uh, there is a you know government management issue over the macro economy, and there is a business confidence issue. And there is consumption issue.、Uh, the energy shortage will not be further relaxed, I foresee. And uh, then uh, the uh, uh, geopolitical tension、uh, will still continue in many parts of the world. And、uh, then, back of the neighbor,、uh, protectionist、uh, sentiment is still very strong across major economies. So there won't be a lot of good news. Uh, particularly on the liquidity side, we're going to see further tightening of liquidity by、uh, major banks are raising their interest rates. That can really、uh, be there to reduce the inflation pressure, but that's going to further、uh, stimify the economic growth.、Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a more of a, a moderate revival in in terms of growth, but a major. 
financial institutions do not really see a very rosy picture ahead. Mm. And uh, uh, China is going to do uh, better because China, ha uh, you know, over the past uh, several decades, China has been contributing to the uh, overall picture of global growth. And when China is going to be uh, more stabilized and there's going to be uh, more of the productive rebound, uh, particularly from the second quarter of next year. So the uh, aggregate data for global growth will uh, look better. Mm. So, yeah, so what do you think are the main challenges and problems for the U.S. economy? And what do you expect for the U.S. monetary policy in the year 2023? Right. So I think for the U.S. economy, it has many structural issues. Um, for example, the industrialization, inequality, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and especially in the short term, in the last uh, this year, um, I think the uh, inflation has been the big problem for the economy. Um, there are a lot of, again, debates about what exactly caused inflation, some blame on the supply side, um, which has to do with, you know, the supply disruption because of the COVID and because of the global supply chain issues. Um, but there are also other have argued that it's a demand side issue. It's because of the government's over generous um, handouts during the COVID reliefs. And so that created these pent up demand and inflation. Um, I think, you know, the answer is probably like in between that there are some um, supply side factors and also demand side factors. Um, and because of the inflation, I think the Fed has taken very aggressive rate hikes um, this year. They have raised interest rates seven times this year, mm -hmm. um, including four jumbo increases of 75 basis points um, uh, increase in the Fed funds rates. So I think that definitely would affect the economy in a very negative way. Um, right now, I think a lot of the estimates would put the U.S.'s growth next year to as low as 0.5%. So that's really sort of a growth recession. It's not really a negative growth rate, um, but it's very low growth rate of you know 0.5%. Um, and I think for many people, uh, for workers, um, they're definitely not looking at a good time um, because their real wage has gone down by 2.9% year to date. So that means even though their nominal wage is rising, but their purchasing power of their wages are going down. So in that sense, I think the U.S. economy is not going to um, look very rosy in the coming year. That said, I think it also really depends on policymakers um, if they're going to continue the rate hikes or not, and if they're going to drastically reduce their fiscal spending or not. Um, because I think many people think that, you know, when this, but the federal government reduces spending, this is helping the economy. But I think that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the fact is that, you know, when the federal government is uh, reducing the spending, it's, it's not injecting that demand into the economy and help the economy, help the private sector to have a surplus, that's going to hurt the economy. So I think, again, uh, there's a lot of policy variables here. So it's difficult to really say um, if the U.S. economy is going to be better. Um, but again, uh, I think it remains to be seen. Mm. And so, Baochang, what do you expect for the EU economy? Uh, well, EU economy has been uh, pretty much divergent among the indiv individual members. The major problem is still uh, has to do with the energy supply. Uh, that really is there a major uh, setback that is uh, produced on their economic performance. And then uh, the uh, oil producing countries, um, uh, inclusive of the United States, are really taking advantage 
of the acute shortage of energy. So therefore, they uh, are really paying uh, way uh, high uh, bills on uh, both on the households and also on those uh, uh, corporate utilities. So this is not going to be uh, alleviated, although we do see some of the uh, stability in the uh, energy supply, and the uh, it's going to remain uh, expensive uh, item for them to uh, deal with. And the other is that uh, uh, there's going to be increase of uh, military expenditures uh, as a result of the uh, Ukraine crisis. I really am afraid that uh, this shall continue, even if the crisis is going to uh, die down. And so because, uh, you know, uh, certain interest groups uh, can really take ransom of the government policy to uh, frighten them all over a more entrenched national defense network. And this is not going to help uh, the economy and this is not going to help people's uh, uh, living standard. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there is uh, uh, also strong uh, nationalistic sentiment that can really be translated into protectionist uh, policies. So uh, uh, there has been outcry over uh, the fact that uh, they are being taken advantage of, uh, etc. So the inflation uh, uh, will remain uh, to be a tough issue. Uh, they're going to be relaxed, uh, for example, uh, down to uh, 6.7% as uh, forecasted by the uh, financial institutions. And they do not really see much of the hope for a real growth revival. Uh, England is uh, uh, almost getting on the rocks. So uh, there won't be much of the news. And ECB is also hesitant whether they're going to further tighten the liquidity to stampen the uh, inflation pressure, and uh, uh, there has been quite a much of a controversy among those policymakers as where is the right direction. Mm. So yeah, a lot of people are now talking or discussing about uh, whether the global slowdown will go into a global recession. But where is the way of hope? Right. I think um, I agree with uh uh, Professor Liu, I think the European economy is looking pretty grim um, in the coming year. Um, the OECD has predicted or, or have forecasted a you know 0.5% for um, Eurozone. Um, but for Germany, for example, their growth rate may dip down to uh, 0.4% of contraction. Um, so I think, yes, the surging energy prices would have long-term effects, not only on dampening you know, consumption, because the households are paying a lot more for the utilities, so they have to suppress their discretionary spending, um, and also the industries. Is a lot of uh, there are a lot of energy intense industries have been scaling down. Uh, about one fifth of those energy intense industries, as a matter of fact, um, and some of them are lo- relocating. Um, for example, in the automotive industries. So I think there's going to be long term effect on deindustrialization and job losses, and so that's going to um, really, um, in a way, I think uh, dampen the economy. But in terms of the bright side, I think, um, you know, I think Asia remains to be uh, more resilient. And when we look at Asia um, in the past two decades, um, they averaged a growth rate of five and a half percent. And so for IMF, for example, they're predicting the uh, uh, growth rate for Asia and Pacific uh, countries are going to increase to 4.3 percent in 2023. Now, again, this is lower than historical average, but it still remains to be a bright side 
uh, bright spot um, when you look around, you know, when you when you look on, for example, Europe or the United States, um, their their growth rate is going to be really close to zero. So I think for um, Asian economies, especially, you know, East Asian economies and also countries like um, India, Indonesia, China, um, Japan, I think um, these remain to be, I think, the motto, uh, locomotive um, for the global, global economy. Mm-hmm. Um, largely because they have, you know, better control of the pandemics. They also have um, a lot more um, structural resilience in terms of the industrial capacities. Um, they also have very swift policies to help the stimulate economy. So mm-hmm. I remain to be, you know, optimistic for Asia. Mm. Well, we're speaking with Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Vilamet University, and also Liu Baocheng, Professor with the University of International Business and Economics. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.